as we were talking last week about English, English classes and such, we have a story about some common cards that are given to a staff member or staff members at, and I'll tell you what, I am really not sure how to pronounce this because it's written in English. <clears throat> I think it says at the Bridger Wilderness Area in the year, the year was 1996. These are actual common cards that actual people wrote on and actually handed in about the Wilderness Trail. This is a wilderness trail. Have you ever been on a wilderness trail before? First comment, trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders, spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Uh, please pave the trails so they can be snowplowed during the winter. Chairlifts needed to be in some places so that we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can get reimbursed? <laughs> Reflectors need to be placed on trees every 50 feet so people can hike at night with flashlights. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. The places where trails do not exist are not well marked. Too many rocks in the mountains. <laughs> well, these are just some of the things you get when idiots collide with nature. You know, it, just, it happens. Today we're going to be looking at what, what happens when kingdoms collide. When kingdoms collide. Just to review, there are four areas we said to identify people that are steady or people that are stubborn. It's been a little while, but does anybody know the major difference between a person who is steady or a person who is stubborn? It's real simple. A person who is steady is right. That's all there is to it. You are not stubborn if you are right. Because you're right. Stubborn people are people that are wrong and won't move. That's a stubborn person. So that's the major difference. But of course, we spend a lot more time spending looking at other things. But the four identifiers we looked at were, first off, our when we used our poster child for stubborn, who was Pharaoh. Our relationship to authority. That'll identify you between a steady person and a stubborn person. Our generosity with supply, our focus during turmoil, and our fourth one was our motivation in boldness. We saw that Pharaoh's relationship to authority, who is God that I should listen to him? People who are stubborn and not steady are not submitted. They have a bad relationship with authority. As soon as authority comes in and tells them to do what they want to do, they're fine. But when authority comes in and tells them to do what they don't want to do, now we've got a problem. Generosity with supply. God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, they're my, they're my slaves. We're not generous with supply. People that are stubborn are not generous with the things that they have. That's just an identifier. That doesn't make you stubborn. That's just people that are stubborn. This is one of the things that is there. Focus during turmoil. Remember Pharaoh? How many times he'd said, no, we're not going to let them go. And then the, the turmoil would come in. All right, we'll let them go this far. All right, just the men can go. All right, well, the, but Moses the whole time stayed focused. No, we will all go. And we will go this far. And we go to this place. And we will do this. He always stayed the same. But Pharaoh kept changing. Then after he, he relented and said, all right, you can go. And then the next day, no, 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 you can't go. You see, people that are stubborn don't have focus. They move around. We didn't get to the fourth one yet, and that is motivation and boldness. Motivation in boldness. Stubborn people are bold people, as can be steady people. Both groups can be bold. It's the motivation that makes you bold that tells you the difference. Is our boldness, speaking about ours, is our boldness motivated by what the kingdom of God will gain or by what we may lose? There are two kingdoms. The Word of God teaches about two kingdoms. 
we know that there's a kingdom of God. But it also says in Luke eleven eighteen, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? How will his what stand? So he has a kingdom, doesn't he? In John 8, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. What he speaks, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He says, you are of your father, the devil. When we are born into this world, we are born under what father? The devil. You're just born into the world that way. But we get born again, we come under our new father, God, God the father. So you're going to be of one father or the other. You're going to be either of the first Adam or the second Adam. You're either going to be in the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of God. Second Corinthians 4, 4. Whose mind the God of this age, or the King James puts it, the God of this world, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It calls Satan the God of this age or the God of this world. Our God is the God of all. But Satan is called the God of this world, this age. There are two gods it speaks of. Which one are you of? Which one do you follow? Thank God we're here. We're all with God the Father. But there are other people that are not. Now, there are many ways to determine which one of you you're of. Very, there are a whole lot of ways. But today, we are going to look at one, and that is boldness. It is not just Christians that are bold. Unsaved people are bold as well. Some people are bold for good causes. Some people are bold for not so good causes. But boldness does not determine whether you're of a good cause or a bad cause. But the motivation behind it does. So here's the motivations. Boldness for God is motivated by number one, first and foremost. And these are in order. <laughs> the love of God is our number one primary motivation for boldness because we love our God. Because we, we love the Father, we are bold for Him. Number two, the love of His Word. And number three, the love of others. Even when Jesus ranked the commands, He said the love of God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the first and foremost of all commandments. But He said the second. Second means it comes after the first, right? Is like it that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. First and foremost, we love God. That must be our number one motive. If you ever change it to where the love of others is over the love of God, you have messed up. Three things. Three motivations for boldness for God. Now, boldness for, for Satan is motivated by, first off, love of self. People who love me. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'll just give you a little food for thought here on this one. We were listening to someone in the shop uh, and he was, I, I think it was Mario Marillo when he was, we were going over this and he was, he's teaching us. If you don't have that podcast on yours, you don't get him, too bad. Because it was good. Oh, it was good. I, we actually saved them one there. We're going to listen to them again. I always enjoy it when he gets up and, and teaches. But uh, it's there. You can get it if you want it. But he was teaching about it. He said they don't inherit the kingdom of God. He didn't, he didn't say the kingdom of heaven. So I thought, oh, I've got to meditate on that one a little while. Hmm. That could be interesting. How many of y'all know that the kingdom of heaven, people go to heaven, we're going to see some drunks, we're going to see some murderers, we're going to see some people who practiced such things in heaven, but they got born again and came out of it. Glory to God. <laughs> they got born again and came out of it and, uh, and turned their lives around. But you know what? There might even be some people that are still struggling with some of those things, but they're working to turn their life away from those things and over to the things of God. And if they ceased to exist and went on to be with God, and their heart was set to try and get out of those things. And, to, and to get, well, glory to God, I think they got it on there just fine. 
But if their heart is such that I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what God says, well, that's another matter. And we leave that up to management. As we said, we're in sales. <laughs> that's a management decision. We don't try and infringe on his decisions on that. He can take care of that when he gets there and we don't have to do that back down here. But that's just a little food for thought. I think that was Mario who was bringing that up. Anybody ever heard of Mario Murillo? A couple of you. How many have you ever heard of him? One, two, three, four, five, yeah, a couple of you. I'll tell you, he's fan. I, I just enjoy him to, so much. We have a good time with him. We have him. Come on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, we told you before, there are not fruits of the Spirit. There is fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is one fruit. That is love. Everything else is an outshoot of it. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Because when you are Christ, when you're of His kingdom, when you have Him as your Father, then you change your passions and your desires and your motivations come from those things and not from the, the fleshly things. Philippians 1, verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Speaking about being in change and things that are going on there. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold. To speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach or speak the word. Some indeed preach or speak the word from envy and strife. Do you know that people can minister the word of God from envy and strife? If people get up in a pulpit, man, woman, Denomination does not matter. And begin to preach the gospel in such a way as to create envy in you for what other people have. It is a wrong gospel. If people get up in a pulpit and begin to teach you that one group of people is different, better than another group of people, and create strife because either you are in that group or not in that group, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. They try and preach. Then they say all kinds of things about God and about Christ and about the Bible. But they do so in a way to create envy and strife among people. And some also from goodwill. Now the first one is the first group. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. Not sincerely. Supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Now, back in those days, what Paul's talking about, people would get up and they would begin to preach, you know, stay away from Paul, stay away from Paul's teachings. Look at what Paul did. Paul's in jail. Paul's this and Paul's that. Peter's this and Peter's that. And they're creating separations. They got groups over here and groups over here and they, they spawned teachings that would create groups of people and this group would envy this group and this group wouldn't like this group and that's not god that's from the flesh for selfish ambition you need to stay away from that kind of teaching because that kind of teaching will have an effect on you no it won't no i can listen to that stuff it's not going to hurt me it will have an effect on you because you get enough people preaching from the flesh and flesh just has a way of getting off on you. And you don't need to, to be able to do that. And if you don't think that that's true, you can go around to different parts of the country because different parts of the country have tendencies to certain aspects of the flesh. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But I've traveled around some. I haven't traveled around a whole lot, but I've traveled around some. And I know that certain places have certain tendencies, certain uh, areas have certain tendencies to the flesh. 
I know from just driving around on my delivery truck, going around for Kelchner's horseradish. I went to a couple of different states. When I would get up into the Scranton-Wilkesbury area, I could catch what was going on. I could feel what was going on up there. And there were certain things that were going around on people. And just about all the people, you get in there and you, you, you had the same thing from all the people you talked to. There's a great oppression that was over that area. And you could feel it in the conversations that you had with a lot of people. Born again, not born again. When I started to move up, and I'll tell you what, I, I stayed away from all this that I could. But when I began to work my way up the coast of New Jersey, up closer to New York City, there was a change in the people. A huge change. It was a change that wasn't just among a few. It was the closer you got to New York City, the more this was there. There was a competitiveness. There was a cutthroat. I will kill you as to let you succeed over me. And I'll tell you what, it was, it was, because I dealt with the business owners and it was heavy. It was strong. And as you go move on down, the further you got from Atlantic City. Now, Atlantic City would kind of, once you got to Atlantic City, it had faded pretty good. And Atlantic City was still there some. Once you got south of Atlantic City, it hardly existed. And as you move further on, on south in that area, there was, a, there was different things that came on. But as far as that cut road competitiveness, they would have people in the same line of business that if they ran out of product, they would call up the competitor. Do you have any claims? I got a customer over here and I don't have any more. Can I send them over to you? Oh, yeah, send them on over. And they would call each other back and forth and do this. That would happen up in, as you got closer to New York. But it would happen down in South Jersey. Now, you get into Philadelphia. We know what's, you know what's customary around the folks around here? I'll tell you what, if you move out of here for a little while, you will find out about it as soon as you get back on in. That's why I'm always on guard about this, and I always tell people about it. The area around Philadelphia is to criticize. The, the thing around Philadelphia is that no one is happy with what they have. They always need something more. And they're always putting other people down and cutting other people up. Constantly critical. No matter what good thing they have, they will find something wrong with it. And have you noticed that around, around folks in the Philadelphia area? Now, you say, well, it's been in some other parts. I know it's in other parts too, but I'll tell you what, it's not as strong as it is around here. You see, it's supposed to be the city of brotherly love where the devil come in and try and do. Mess with the brotherhood. <laughs> you just don't let them go on. You see, you can get away from it. You know, for a while I was hanging out in the area and I was letting that stuff get on me. And then all of a sudden I realized, what in the world am I letting get on me? And I began to pull away from it. And I began to resist it. And then all of a sudden I realized how much it was involved in everything. And how much I had let it become a part of me. Never even realized it. Now I can realize it so much that if I turn on the radio, you know, I used to like to listen to sports talk radio. I can't stand listening to it for five minutes. It disturbs my spirit. It bothers me on the inside. I say, Father, I can't listen to this. These guys are not happy with what they have. They're always picking on, they pick on everything. Why do they, I don't want to listen to that. So I turn them off. I don't hear them. That's why I don't listen to the news. You say, well, I just listen to, that don't matter. I don't care what news you listen to. Well, I listen to Fox News. Well, maybe Fox News is a little bit better. I don't know. I got my little app on my little iPod. I can check out some Fox News things. And most, oh, maybe you guys, what are you doing? Stirring people up like this. We don't need to have that. But you know, you put on, well, I'm just going to put on my little local news thing and just see what's going on. But you know what the local news thing does? They sow a little bit of seed and you think that's true. And you think it is truth. Then it, it affects you on how you receive when you finally hear the truth. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. You can tell me it doesn't all the, all the time you want to. It does. If you feed on stuff that is not true, it is hard for you to determine what is true. You know, we had this, this is this uh, stuff we're getting to was actually supposed to be for last week, but we interrupted it and we did, you know, last week. If you weren't here for that, you can go out, go on the Internet. I think there's a it's all, all up there. You can get that. But we're kind of doing some things after the uh, our guest was here and to Chris minister to us and how to keep hanging on to some of those things. But then this week happened. and I'll tell you what, this one fits in a whole lot better for this week because, you know, there was a certain company out there that made the news this week. 
And uh, from what I understand, I didn't watch them. I don't know. But I heard people talking about that certain news places stayed away from covering on Chick-fil-A on Wednesday. There was no coverage. They didn't say anything about it. If they could have found a negative story, I'm sure that they would have covered that. My wife and I, we went out to the Chick-fil-A that was up by us before I came on down here to church. And we, uh, well, she stood in line. <laughs> I said, you know, I have something I can do over here. I'm hardly ever at the mall. And so she let me go do those things while she stood in line. And uh, she was nice enough to, to take care of that for it. And she stayed in line, had some conversations. We took a picture of us in line and put it up on Facebook and, and uh, saw the, the line. But he tell you what, the line we had up in the mall was nothing like the line they had out here, the one close to here. That thing wrapped around the building then came back on itself and then people were lined up in the streets. I heard traffic jams were going on in cities all over America. And yet, many news stations didn't cover it at all. Not at all. You know why? They want to give the impression that nothing happened. That's what they want to do. But then Friday came along and you know, when the now we got other people that are going to be up there and they're going to be lined up to do their, their thing and well, now we're going to cover that. But I, I, didn't see, I didn't see the coverage. I don't want to hear about the coverage. If you saw coverage, don't reveal yourself to me because I still think that you didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I didn't look to watch it. I stayed away from it because I don't want to hear whatever they have to say because whatever it is is going to be tainted. And it'll taint me from, from that point on. So I stayed away from it so I don't know if lots of people showed up, if nobody showed up or any of that sort of stuff. Again, don't inform me afterwards. I don't need to know. I know how to get information that I want to get, and I know how to restrict what I don't want to have. Come in. I, I'm, I, I do very well with it. And if you don't think I do, that's okay. You're not me. I am very happy. I live a peaceful life. I live a joy-filled life. I don't get bothered by all this stuff. And um, I'm just going to keep it going the way. I've cut that stuff out of my life, and my life has been tremendously affected to the positive. But I'm sure that if they had that sort of stuff to, to cover, then they're all going to be there and they're going to cover it from the one standpoint. That's what they're going to want to do. And then you're going to have certain people that are going to come up in the church and they're going to say that, you know, so-and-so is wrong. Now, I, I don't One of my favorite persons to listen to on the radio because they give me the news the most objective. And I know some people, you bring up this name and they get all upset and they say, oh, he's no good, he's that. Most people who think this guy is no good are people who listen to the news media. So on your way out, don't tell me anything about him. <laughs> all right? Because if you tell me something negative, I'm going to be thinking, you're a person who listens to the news media, don't you? But I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. I listen to his show every single day. I like his show so much, I pay to listen to it. I actually buy the podcast every year. It costs me $25 a year. And I don't have to listen to any news commercials, any, com any other commercials. I don't have to listen to news reports. I don't have to listen to nothing. I just get the show. That's it. So it's worth 25 bucks for me to do that. But he's the only guy I know who presents the news, and he's upbeat about it. He's positive. But he came on up, and he's, he was talking about Chick-fil-A. And he had one of the greatest points I thought I'd ever heard on this thing. He says, you know, the owner of the company, Mr. Kathy, Kathy he, uh, he said, well, this is, my this is my opinion. I think that marriage is between a man and a woman. And, uh, and that was it. That was his opinion. But uh, Rush was, uh, was saying, that doesn't preclude them from hiring gays and from serving gays. But still, they got all this animosity from these mayors and from all these other people when all along they've served, they've hired. There wasn't an issue with that. And I thought, that's a good point. But you get to get the other, the other side who wants to come on out and they just always want to, to block things up. Look what he says there. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, what I can gain. And we just looked at the last scripture. Don't get involved in selfish ambition. Not sincerely. Supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Next chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if, any, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambitions. That include preaching the gospel? Or conceit, 
But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's our attitude. If I ever have an attitude that I don't esteem others as better than myself, I'm going to treat them in a less than manner. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest. The word of God never says you cannot look out for your own interest. It never says it one time. The word of God does not say you cannot love yourself. The word of God says, love your neighbor. Hmm. Means you have to have a love for yourself in order to love your neighbor, don't you? Yeah, see, that's a wrong teaching that got into the church and people try to deny themselves and hate themselves. If you hate yourself, you can't love your neighbor. You've got to learn how to love yourself. Love your neighbor like that. Let each of you look out not only, not only. You are going to look out for your own interests. It's okay to look out for your own interests. Not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. That's all. Just look out for the interest of other people as well as your own interest. That's what he says. Love of self. Now, we've already covered some of these other things, these other two in these scriptures. But love of self is the first one. Love of my rights. How many times do you hear these people that are out there going, this? my rights are this, and my rights are this, and my rights are this, and I have a right to do this, and I have a right to do that. Really? How is it that most of the time they're talking about my rights to do this, they infringe upon other people's rights? Am I looking out for the interest of other people? No, I am looking out for the interest of me. But the Word of God is very clear. Look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's all. But if I'm going around, well, my right is this, and I have a right to this, and I have a right to that, and I have a right for this part over here. No. You have a right to serve God, to love God, to help the people that are around you. God says, go take care of them. Go help them out. But love of my rights and love of others who agree with me. Love of others who agree with me. You look at the folks that are in the, in the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. You look at people that are of their father, the devil, and the people that are of their father, God. You look at those two groups of people and the ones that are of their father, God, They will love others even if they don't agree with them. But you look at the people that are of the Father, the devil, the kingdom of Satan. And if you don't agree with me, I hate you. I want to see you dead. You need to be silenced. You have no right. Isn't that that the language that's there? That's not godly. That's not right. You know, people that are in the church, we don't agree with the homosexual lifestyle. The homosexual lifestyle is wrong. It's not godly. God has called it as bad. God has wiped out cities such as Sodom and Gomorrah for the sin. Jesus himself said, I need to go down there and see. Shall I hide this from Abraham that I'm going down to see Sodom and Gomorrah? And if it's as bad as I hear, then I'm going to destroy it. And so he shares it with Abraham. Abraham knows a lot's down there. And so a lot begins to barter. Well, if there are 50 righteous people, if there's 40... If there's 30, it gets all the way down. If there's 10 righteous people, and all right, I won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are 10 righteous people. And he goes on down there into the city, and the men of the city, I gather outside of Lot's house and ask for the angels. angels. They don't know that they're angels, but they ask for the men, the strangers that came in. We want them. They wanted to have homosexual relationships with them. And Lot, this is not something that Lot should have done, but this is what Lot did. How do we all know? The Bible is filled with people doing things they should not have done, but they did it anyway. You don't always do as the Bible shows you the people did, because sometimes the Bible says they did this, it was wrong. <laughs> and here's the results that came from it. But Lot gets out and says, no, brother, this is wrong. We need to be, I need to protect those who come into my, take my daughters. And they said, no, we don't want the daughters. That's, that's warped. You know, my neighbor and I, we got on a conversation about homosexuality and some of the things that were going on with that. I forget how we even got on the conversation to begin with, but somehow we get, we get into some conversations. And we got into this conversation, and he said to me, he says, you know what? I don't know what there is that's attractive about men. He says, I don't even know my, why my wife's attracted to men. 
I, I told him, I said, you know what? I'm agreeing with you. I said, I love to power around with guys. I like to play hockey with guys, but I don't find them attractive at all. <laughs> I just don't understand. And, you know, there have been uh, times I've come into some people that were caught up in a homosexual lifestyle, and I was trying to help them to get out of the homosexual lifestyle. And, and one of them, he said to me, can I tell you why I find men attractive? I said, no. <laughs> no. I can't relate to it. I have no idea what you're speaking of. I, <laughs> I don't find them attractive. You're not... He, I don't know why he wanted to do that. I said, no, you can't do it. So he didn't. And I never heard the, the, the reason for it. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that the lifestyle is wrong. It's taking you in the wrong direction. But we never shut them up. We never say you can't speak. We never say you need to die. We never say hateful things about them. It's just that, you know, we, we'd like to see you change. We'd like to see you get out of that lifestyle and come into what God has for you. Because this is what God, what God has is good. And we want you to go on and have heaven ahead of you. Because we, we love you. We have that agape, God kind of love for you. And we want to see you have all that God wants to have you to have. And not have this kind of a, kind of a thing. I heard this um, uh, pastor I was listening to in the podcast. He was saying the average life span of a homosexual male. And I'm, I'm close to this. I, it was a while ago I heard it, so I'm not exact. But it, I'm close enough to it to give you the idea of what was there. The average lifespan of a homosexual man with AIDS is 37 or 38. The average lifespan of a homosexual man without AIDS is 45. That shocked me when I heard that. The average age of a homosexual man without AIDS around 45 God wants you to be satisfied with long life that apparently isn't happening there apparently a lot of them t- have suicide and other things like that that, that go on and, and, and we, we, we want them to get out of that lifestyle but we're not going to hate them anymore we're going to hate bank robbers I'd like to see a bank robber get out of that lifestyle I'd like to see a rapist get out of that lifestyle I'd like to see people who rob homes get out of that lifestyle but I'm not going to hate them. We're going to try and convert them. Now, you do things that are wrong, you're going to get locked up and you get caught. And you should be. Because you're doing things wrong to other people. Homosexuals, they look at it, well, I'm doing something wrong to myself. Well, because that's partly true, but then eventually you're going to be bringing other people in. And then you can get into the whole thing with the, uh, the older men and the younger boys and the effect that that has on the younger boys. And that is traumatic. Most men that are involved in a homosexual lifestyle were abused as young boys by another man. It's most of them. I don't say all, but apparently most of them had a young experience as a young boy. It was not positive. These aren't good. But you see, this is what they, what they do. Now, I noticed a distinct difference. When we were sitting there waiting in line, now, we didn't wait in a really long line. What was it, 45 minutes? We were in line about 45 minutes. I heard some places it was over an hour that they waited in line. But the one thing I heard from all the people that were giving reports in their cities and what happened there is that everyone was calm, friendly, nice. No one was losing their temper. They were clean. There was nothing going on that shouldn't have been going on. People weren't throwing trash around. They didn't abuse the workers when they came up to the... Well, I've been waiting in line for... Adult. They didn't do that. They were all just having conversation, having a good old time, and stood in line for an hour or more. I bet you, though, on Friday, that the people who came out to protest, the people who were standing in line to get their food, were not as orderly. We're not, I bet you they had some signs. You know what? The people that were going and waiting in the Chick-fil-A sign... There no signs. No signs protesting anything. Just sitting there, waiting in line. Some money and an order. And a hungry stomach. That's all they came with. That was it. They weren't there to protest anybody or any group. That was all. Now, you see, you had groups that would show up there and they would be bold with their message. But their message was, you're wrong. You need to be silenced. And some of them were even more hateful. Now, let's go on. Acts chapter 4. Here's, our, here's the main thing we want to get into. 
We already covered Acts chapter 3 recently when, you know, the man with the, his lane is raised up. Verse 1 here, chapter 4, this is afterwards. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jerusalem the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Remember that phrase. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. I always love it when a person can answer a question. I don't know about you, but I just think that's so cool. You know, because it just seems like the art of answering questions is lost. You know, we were going through this political campaign and all the different Republican candidates were there and they would be asked a question. One of the ones that, so- well, there's a couple of them who soared to the front. One of them, you know, he's one of my, he was my front runner. I just love this, uh, the way he handled things. Herman Cain would get up there and if he asked Herman Cain, Cain a question, you know what he would say? Yes? No. If he believed in the thing, if he said yes, he would say yes and then he would explain his answer. Or he would say, no. Answer the question right off the bat. Just, there it is. And then he would explain his answer. There was a, oh, a couple other guys who, who would do that as well. Uh, and in the previous election we had, uh, Fred Thomas, he was real good at this. If you ask Fred Thomas a question, yes. And then he'd explain it. No. And then he'd explain that. I, just, I love people who can answer questions. But you know, you've got some politicians out there now. They, you can ask them a question and 15 minutes later, after they've talked all the way around the world and come all the way back to the beginning, you're thinking, well, I guess he must have answered that question there somewhere. I don't, don't know. And they just kind of move on to the next question. But you, you go back there and you go over it. He never answered the question. You know, I, I like it when people are bold to answer a question. If you believe a thing, let it be known. So this is what Peter does. He said, all right, look, if you're wondering by what authority that we cast the, the, we uh, healed this man, I'm going to tell you straight up. Here it is. Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> now, they know that's a hot topic. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, <laughs> whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. So in case there's any question as to what Jesus of Nazareth we're referring to, we're talking about the one that you crucified. This is the stone by which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Does this man sound bold? (laughs) Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Boy, how close-minded is he? I mean, really. Come on, you got to be at least open to some other ways. I mean, because there's other people and they're sincere. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter. These are perceptive people, aren't they? (laughs) When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled. Well, have you ever run into some people and you can just tell, well, they didn't go to school. I guess they could tell the same thing. And they didn't. You know, they went to fishing school. Learned how to fish. But they probably didn't teach them how to talk right and how to not end a sentence in a preposition and, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) What's that? No grammar, yeah, 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 that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's kind of... If you ever read Peter's epistles, it's very rough Greek. 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I don't know. I think that's a good thing. If people can say, wow, you've been with Jesus. Boy, that'd be... How many of you take that as a compliment? And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. I think it's amazing that they wanted to. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? Notice that despite the great miracle that had been done, their thought is, what can we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. Which means, they would have tried. Keep that in mind. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them. Which means... If they found a way that they thought they could get away with, they would have done it. Finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. Now, the only thing that's keeping them from punishing Peter and John is because the people believed that a notable miracle had been done through these men. And if they punished them, then their own interest would be hindered. Can you see where we're talking about preaching Christ with self-interest? For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now this is one of the many times that the kingdom of God meets up with the kingdom of Satan. Even though they are religious leaders. Now, Here it is, kingdom of God is meeting the kingdom of Satan. Which one has the authority of the government? The kingdom of Satan has the authority of the government, doesn't it? Which one has the authority of God's word? Peter and John and the kingdom of of heaven. Oh, for the days when the answer to both of those questions was the same. Because there have been times when the power of the government and the authority of the Word of God were on the same side. Think of the reign of David. Most of the reign of Solomon. The reign of Hezekiah. The reign of Josiah. Many other kings. Time that Samuel was judge over Israel. There are times when the government was on the same side as the Word of God. But it's not always the time. Or not always the case. Now, how do those in the kingdom of God treat those in the kingdom of Satan? How does Peter and John treat the leaders that they stand before? They're respectful. They understand that they have authority. So they're respectful of that, but they understand that they are also under God and that God is the utmost authority. Do they threaten the leaders? Do they say, if you don't let us out of here, we're going to get that mob out there and we're going, to, we're going to get them all on you. We're going to put bombs where you don't expect them. We're going to jump out at you on the road with swords. Do they threaten them at all? There's no threats. They just said, look, should we obey God or should we obey man? You decide. So they further threatened them and let them go. Now, how do those in the kingdom of Satan treat those in God's kingdom? Here's a list. Number one, threats. Number two, they commanded them to be silent. So there are commands to be, sil- to be silent. They said, you will not speak in this name. And they threaten them. They look to deny the truth of what happened. Right? 
that a notable miracle has been done, we cannot deny. We can't deny it. We'd like to. Now, they've done it with some other miracles, haven't they? They did it with the resurrection of Jesus. Didn't they deny that that ever happened? Didn't they deny some other miracles that had gone on? Had, had happened? If you look at some other instances of when the kingdom of God met the kingdom of Satan, you also see that beatings were included. Paul was beaten how many times for the gospel's sake? Peter later on had been beaten how many times? Jesus was beaten. Jeremiah was beaten. Others were taken and they were beaten. Some were beheaded. Some were killed. Now take a look at this. How did Paul treat Christians when he was in Satan's kingdom? When, when Paul was a Pharisee and he's in Satan's kingdom, how did he treat Christians? He was commissioned, had papers, and he went around looking for Christians. And how, what did he do with them? He killed them. He's out to silence them. He persecuted Christ. When Jesus met up with them on the road, he said, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? When Paul got born again, when he was in God's kingdom, how did he treat the opposition? Did he kill them? Did he command them to be silent? Did he mistreat them? Beat them? Isn't that interesting that the same guy in one kingdom treats people one way, in the other kingdom treats people another? During all the days of Jesus, how many times did they try and silence Jesus? How many times did they try and get into a place where they could beat him? And they did not. They came, what I do, we're doing all this to show you something. We think today is so unique, it is not. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan clash all the time. And the methods of the kingdom of Satan are always the same. The same thing that we see today is the same thing we saw in the days of old. It's real easy to tell those. It doesn't matter whether they are in a church or they are not. It doesn't matter if they have a fish bumper sticker. It doesn't matter if they have a lapel pin with Jesus. It doesn't matter if they carry a Bible. It doesn't matter if they have a Bible app on their iPad. All that matters is what are the signs? What are the signs? Peter and John are facing their religious leaders. And they show every single trait of the kingdom of Satan. They threat, they threaten, they command to be silent, they look to deny the truth of what happened. There's beatings involved. When Pharaoh was coming against God, how did he treat Moses? Did he threaten him? Were there commands to be silent? Did they look to deny the truth of what happened? When God brought in frogs, what did they do? They brought in their magicians to duplicate the miracle and to say that's not true. They looked to deny the truth that was happening. Were there beatings? Did they not beat some of the leaders to try and discourage them? Doesn't the Bible tell us that they beat some of the leaders to try and discourage them? And I'm sure that they were beating some of the workers too, but it specifically points out about those. Let's finish off this this uh, section of scripture off. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God and you made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now look, our Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. With all boldness we may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The kingdom of Satan is easy to recognize. It is easily recognized. Here's the, here's the ways you can do it. First off, 
Those in the kingdom of Satan will deny, twist, and misrepresent the truth. They will deny, they will twist, and they will misrepresent the truth. They will silence the opposition. They will have favor toward those who agree and threats toward those who don't. That is the kingdom of Satan. You can go through the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and you will see this go on. Now, I'm going to add one more thing to this. This is one more thing and we see this go on a whole lot today. This is straight out of the kingdom of Satan. Don't think of it as anything else. One of the other things that the kingdom of Satan has done throughout the years, the many, many years of recorded history in the Bible, is that they have gone to try and soil the reputation of the men of God or the people of God. You'll see this in the example of Paul. When Paul got born again and left the kingdom of Satan, came over to the kingdom of God and began to preach the gospel, what did they do? Were there not bands of people who will go out to say things about Paul that were not true? To stir up people against them? How many times did he come into a city and a riot would start because people came in and spoke things that were not true to get people to be upset with Paul? Jesus, how many times did they come in, they try and put questions out, do things, have people say things that would try and make people think less of Jesus? Hey, but Stephen, remember Stephen? When he began to excel in the, in the, in the body and they, they said, he's doing too, we, we got to get rid of this guy. And so they brought in people who would make up lies about Stephen for the purpose of degrading his reputation. And none of them would agree. David. This happened to David, King David by both Saul and his son Absalom. Both of them came in and began to say things. And when Absalom came back into the kingdom, then he said by the gate, what are you coming in here to the city today? Well, I have a case to be judged by the king. Oh, if the king only had more judges. If only I was made a king or a judge for the king, I would listen to your case and I'd decide for you. And he did this for a number of months maybe even years, until he began to sway the people from David to him. How did he do it? By soiling the reputation of David. What did Saul do when David David became more influential than he was and he saw the anointing of God going over? He began to say things and do things to turn people against David over to him. Moses. How many times did people say things against Moses? Aaron and Miriam were one of them. Some of the, the uh, Levites would say, who are you that you get to do all the, and decide all these things? We're of God too. How about in his own country, uh, Egypt, when he was being raised up? How many things were said against him there that he couldn't even go back? Daniel, weren't people out there trying to say things against David to try and soil his reputation because he was soaring so high? When Joseph was soaring high and the woman of the house decided to say something to soil his reputation among his master so that he would get put into prison. This is a tactic of the enemy. Was what the woman said about Joseph true? Was what the satrap said about Daniel true? Was what they said about Jesus true? Was what they said about Paul true? Was what they said about um, Moses true? Was it about Stephen Was that true? No. But you see, it doesn't matter if it's true. What matters is if we throw enough of it up there, you'll believe. The evidence of the kingdom of of, of Satan. Watch for this. Because it is so readily identifiable that in a political campaign or in a preaching service or out in the street, you can identify people by their kingdom very easily. Very easily. Look at the tactics. If they deny, twist, and misrepresent the truth, if they try and silence the opposition, if they try and favor, but to have favor toward those who agree with them and threats towards those who don't, what kingdom are they of? Look at just the healthcare thing. We got the healthcare debate going on in this country, right? People who don't, who stand against the healthcare, what happens to them? 
Is it just, oh, well, that's all right. You can have a different... No, what happens? Threats. We need to silence you. What is that? That tells me right there where this thing came from, but I knew that before <laughs> because I've, I've read parts of it. I can see the kingdom of Satan in the healthcare thing all the way on through. And it doesn't mean that, it, you know, that this, it, it, it has our president's name on it right now, but understand this has been in the drawer for a long time. They didn't write a document that big that uh, quick. This has been in the mix for a long time. It's in the mix because it's a satanic effort to get control over you, families, a whole lot of other things. It's not the first time this trick has been pulled. All you got to do is go through history. I can name you three other times in recent history, fairly recent history, in the last uh, few hundred years, where this same trick has been used. And it worked. And yet we're going the same way. It is a trick of the enemy to gain control and it was eventually used to stop the church from preaching the gospel. All you got to do is go through history. Go through Germany. Go through Russia. Those are two examples right there you can look at. Where this was used, the same tactic was used, healthcare was used, and eventually control was gained over the family, over the church. This is nothing new. The tactics of the enemy are evident. and We can't let them go on with it. Don't let it go on. When you see people who deny, twist, and misrepresent the truth, silence the opposition, favor to those who agree, and threats towards those who don't, and soil, if all else fails, soil the reputation of your opposition. That is straight out of the kingdom of Satan. That is right out of being the father of the devil. If you see it, you don't need to go any further. I know who you are of. I don't care what race, I don't care what color, I don't care what church you go to, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, I don't care who your parents were, I don't care what books you read, I can tell right now, this is who you are. You're showing me the signs. You can see the signs. I mean, come on, we look at outward signs all the time. If you see a guy and he walked into church and he is 390 pounds, 6 foot 8 how many of you think he's a sprinter? No? Maybe a, sw- a swimmer. Ping pong. No? What do, you think? what do you think he plays? Maybe he's a catcher for a baseball team. Football. <laughs> he's a football player, right? He's, he's built to be on the line of a football team. I mean, if he walked in and I walked in, you wouldn't, you wouldn't wonder which one was on the line of the football team. You know immediately, and not me. Because <laughs> we, we can look by the outward appearance. You see somebody who's built like that, well, they're obviously... I mean, some things are just pretty obvious about that. I don't know about you, but you know, certain sports have certain things. I can tell a swimmer like that. I know exactly how to tell a swimmer. A swimmer's body is built differently than anyone else's. And all you got to do, you know, take a look at that body. That, that's, that's a swimmer right there. <laughs> I am not a swimmer. I am not built like a swimmer. I am built like a runner. But you look at a swimmer, a swimmer is, is, is very different. Their arms are different than my arms. Their chest is way different than my chest. <laughs> it's just a unique look. They're, they are different even from a weight trainer. A person who, who lifts weight is different from a swimmer. There's, there's certain distinct things. And so you look at that, that kind of stuff. And you, you know, you can, you can tell. I mean, how many people have you ever met and said, that person, they could be a model. And then you've met other people who said, they're not. <laughs> nope, not a model right there. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> there are certain outward characteristics we can look at. Well, folks, this is the same thing. You can look around at the news media. You can look around at the politicians. You can look around at the different people. You can look around at the, even the people who bring the gospel. And you can tell them if there are threats, if there is favor based on whether they agree or not, if there is silence for the opposition, deny, twist, and misrepresent the truth. You see, a person who is of the truth is never, ever afraid of the truth. Never. Because a person who is of the truth, if they get more truth, they're excited. 
But a person who is not of the truth is afraid of the truth because they know the truth will expose them. So we must silence the people who would bring the truth out because we cannot have that in. It's the tactic of the enemy. He does it in the church. He does it outside the church. This is what the kingdom of Satan does. And just because you are bold does not mean you are bold for God. What is your motivation? Is it for the love of God? For the love of His Word? For the love of others? Or have you fallen into a thing where it's a love of self? It's a love of my rights and my privileges. What is it? What is it that motivates you to be bold? When you see some, a wrong being done to some people, do you rise up and say, that shouldn't go on? Are we afraid of the truth of these things? The, the amount of truth that pe people are purposely trying to keep from you because they know what would happen if you heard the whole truth. We've talked about this thing before. But remember that whole Trevane uh, Martin episode? I even forget who the uh, victim... Who the, Trevane was the victim and the, the guy who... Um, Shot him was, um, I forgot his name now. Zimmerman. Zimmerman, yeah. Do you know a truth? And I, I was shocked when I heard this. You know how much they doctored, you know, you know, they doctored the tapes to make them sound like a racist. They changed things around. They edited the whole thing. They uh, deliberately withheld evidence about his injuries in order to pass him off as a racist. Do you know that the same guy, Mr. Zimmerman, a few months before this incident had risen to the defense of an African-American young man who was being abused by a police officer? Did you hear about that story? He rose to his defense on the street. Why didn't they knew about it? Why didn't they bring that story out? Would that have impacted the way that you thought about the story? Hey, it would have, wouldn't it? So, we therefore need to pick and choose. You see, they are afraid of bringing out all the truth. Therefore, we need to shape it a little bit. Need to. That's the kingdom of Satan's tactics. When you see that kind of stuff come out, understand. It's not like there's a, there, it, there's a dividing line. You are either of your father the devil or you're of your father God. You're going to be of what? If you're of your father, the devil, you're over here. If you're of your father, God, you're over here. If we identify the information coming from certain people as being of the father, the devil, why are we listening to anything else they have to say? Because who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? And whether they're a preacher or a news media person, if they bring up stuff for the purpose of creating envy, divisions, strife, what kingdom are they of? The only reason a preacher ever needs to get up in a pulpit or in a microphone anywhere to create envy, division, and strife is for selfish motivations. They want fame. They want fortune. They want something that those people have. And they figure if we can separate them and tell them certain things, they'll give me the things that I want. The Word of God people of God should be all about bringing people together. I thank God I live in America. I thank God that we have a racially, ethnic, diverse crowd in America. I thank God we have a diverse crowd here in the church. I don't have friends based upon the color of their skins. I don't have friends based upon where they were born. I have friends based on kingdom of God. Amen. Kingdom of Satan. And the more the people want to get into the kingdom of God and get into His Word, oh, the, the better friend they are. I love having discussions with, with people. I don't care what race they are. I don't care how they were, were born, what they were born into. I don't care if they fell into homosexuality or became a murderer or had began to rub banks. If they came over into the kingdom of God and they want to learn about the Word, let's sit down and have some talk. Let's, let's talk about the Word. Oh, we can fellowship on this. This is good. That's what the Word of God should be about. It's about bringing things together. And I wrote this in my outline. I didn't write it in yours because there wasn't any more room. There's a fine line on this.
twisting and misrepresenting the truth to soil a reputation is Satan's tactic. That's Satan's tactic. Exposing the work of darkness by bringing what was done in secret to light is God's. One is based on truth. The other is based on false or partial truth. It's the truth that separates the two. On one side, you have no fear of truth. On the other side, there is a great fear of truth. And it's why they respond in the kingdom of Satan the way that they do. Because truth is to be feared. Truth is to be feared. We can't bring out the truth. We've got to cover it up. We've got to mask it somehow. We can't just come out with the truth as it is. They'll see that we're doing something wrong. Don't buy into it. Just because a person is bold does not mean that they are bold for God. There is a love of God, love of His Word, and the love of others. The people that are in the love of self, love of my rights, and love only those who agree with them, you know what kingdom they're of. Don't fall prey to the kingdom of Satan. It's evident. It is extremely evident. Your love for the truth. You're born again, you have a love for the truth. If you are born again of the, your Father God, you have a love for the truth. Pursue it. The truth may hurt sometimes, but it's never something to be feared. The truth, as the Word of God says, the truth will set you free. <laughs> and that's why the enemy is afraid of the truth. We'll try and silence those who speak it, use fear and intimidation to get them to stop, to twist and manipulate enough things about the truth so that you can't distinguish the truth when you hear it. You don't need to hear all that sort of stuff. Oh, the truth will make us free. Glory to God. Today is Communion Sunday. And as we prepare...